0: On this episode of ResiWeek, Snap A.V. debuts an alarm system. Disney Plus launches their new streaming platform. And do customers really want on-demand support? All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the A.V. industry. What are you listening
2: to? This. This is A.V. This. This. This is, is A.V. Nation. Nation. This is A.V. Nation.
0: This is ResiWeek episode 167. I don't need a tweezer. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality
1: projection screens worldwide. And by AV ProEdge, manufacturer of next-level video distribution solutions.
0: Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Todd Maris. He is the Director of Emerging Technologies at Peerless AV. How you doing, Todd? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. And we also have my longtime buddy, Stephen Bronner. He is the president of Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing, my friend?
1: Man, I am outstanding. As always, I'm on a job site, so forgive a little bit of background noise, but uh, we still find a way to make this thing happen.
0: We appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this right off, uh, because it's good to be back after a week off for myself. This comes to us from CE Pro. Snap AV had a big ISC, not ISC, ISC surprise, ISC West. Uh, they announced a self-contained security and home automation platform with Overseer built right in. This comes with a partnership through SnapAV and ClearOne Claire, uh, Claire uh, to essentially provide some, something that is along the lines of uh, the QSIS, the 2GIG, and the Honeywell self-contained alarm panels. What makes this very Interesting is one at Snap AV's first venture into uh, the alarm space, but also that they are working on monitoring and smart home as a service through Alua. Uh, Again, this is not necessarily something that is dramatically unique to that industry, but it's a pretty big deal because, again, it's one of the the big players in AV jumping on the security plan. One of the huge uh, aspects of this is that it will integrate with popular. Third-party home automation systems like Control4, Crestron, and Savant, uh, and supposedly a couple more, including potentially Alon. So, Todd, I want to start with you on this one. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, I'm a little confused as to whether this is a big deal or not. I want to say that it's a huge deal. I want to, uh, you know, side with with Julie on this and, and say yes, this is going to be gigantic. The fact that a it's Snap AV doing this, but also the fact that it will have Overseer built in. Am I reading too much into this or is this just another self-contained, you know, smart home platform slash security system?
2: You know, um, I don't know, as I was reading through this, it seems as though Snap is just further securing their spot into being this one-stop shop for everything at this point. When I was in the field eight, nine, 10 years ago, Um, it would have been great to have this. You know, security was always kind of that delineation between everything we did, AV, control, lighting, that. And then we would set up security for a third party to come in and monitor and whatnot. So the fact that they've incorporated this technology in, they've got the main uh, players on that as far as control systems are concerned right now. I do think it's a pretty big thing. Quite honestly, I thought it would have maybe happened a little bit sooner than this. but I do think that, uh, that it's got some ramifications and, uh, and I believe it's going to be something that people gravitate towards for
0: sure. Very good. Stephen, as the active integrator um, on, on the show today, <clears throat> the concept that really surprised me was this, this theory that by SnapAV now having an alarm system, an alarm platform, that it's going to pull or, or give the potential for a lot of integrators to jump into security. I know for for my company, we do security very sparingly. Cameras, sure, but as far as alarms, it's a couple a year. It's not a big part of our business. Does this open the door for your standard AV integration firm to jump into security here And, and on the flip side, is this going to potentially bring a lot of security integrators into AV? Where's that delineation?
1: This terrifies me, man, because <laughs> people need to people need to learn to stay in their lanes. That's what's wrong with our industry. Is everybody thinks that because they can run a pair of wire strippers, they can do everything that requires those wire strippers? Um, security guys do security. There's there's liabilities there. There are other things that come into mind. Integrators do integration. Now, I do I do both, but I come from a security side uh, many, many years ago, so I have actual security experience for guys. And, and you know, let's put it out there like it is. Snap AV is a lot of their products are to bring guys that can't really sell the the higher-end systems into the industry, which is no big deal. We need all types. It takes all types. But the downside to that is is that now you've got guys that barely understand AV integration, trying to do AV and security. So now instead of somebody calling you and saying, my TV's not working, okay, no big deal, we'll get it working. Now they're calling the same guy that can't get their TV working right because their security system's not working. People need to stay in their lane. That's a life safety issue. Um, I refer to Lutron all the time. Lutron treats lighting control as a life safety issue. There are guys, Darren Cameron, one of those guys that make their living off of just doing lighting control. Why? Because it's a highly specialized market. Um, I don't think that AV guys need to be digging into security unless they've been in the security industry. However, flip side of my argument. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool that Snap A B has bought. I mean, look at everybody they bought. They're Snap in control for at this point are are you know like the Rockefellers back in the day. They're they're battling with some other company which happens to be control for to buy everything in the world. I don't necessarily think it's a a bad move on their part. What scares me is is that I'm concerned that guys that are doing AV are going to jump into security and someone's going to get, someone's alarm's not going to work right and someone's going to get hurt because of it. Up until now, if we don't do our job right, you can't watch Sunday Night Football and you get a little upset and you move on. That security system doesn't work right. Somebody could lose their life.
0: At what point though, in most, and I may misunderstand, but I'm under the understanding that in most districts in most states, you can't just be a security installer. You have to be licensed for that. Is that incorrect?
1: That is actually correct in most areas. Uh, I live in the great state of Georgia, so uh, we don't necessarily have that. Uh, they request that, but it's not law. It will become law soon enough. Um, I think it's a good thing. However, um, I think it's a good thing they're going to require it. However, um, man, ask yourself: when was the last time you saw somebody putting in an outlet that wasn't a licensed electrician? A handyman putting in an outlet just because they, the law kind of requires it doesn't. It's not going to stop some guy that's selling AV equipment. It's not going to stop him from going to the client and going, "Oh, by the way." Um, you know if you pay me fifteen, twenty dollars a month, I could have your alarm system monitored. That is going to be i just I see the liability in it i I, I have no problem with someone expanding their business, but i don 't think you should expand your business at the at the risk of harming someone else
0: very good all right gentlemen let 's move on to the next story of the day this comes to us from the dot com after much hinting, and I mean a serious amount of hinting. Uh, Disney Plus is going to be available starting November 12th in the U.S. for $6.99 a month. This is Disney's first streaming service, and it was uh, officially introduced and announced. Uh, Essentially, it is very similar to most of the other streaming services out there, with the obvious extent that it is nothing but Disney content. And it's going to have a couple of key kind of categories as as far as Dixie. Disney movies, Pixar movies, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, and then you can dig into it from there. Like everybody else, pretty much in the streaming game right now, they're also working on a large number of original content pieces and programs. So this should be very interesting for you know myself being a Canadian guy. Uh, I will mention that as of yet, they have not officially announced a Canadian release date. So we've got to wait for that, although it's been kind of hinted that that will happen in the first quarter of 2020. Uh, Todd, I want to come back and start with you on this one. Sure. I I love this concept. I I love the fact that Disney is going to start providing a, a lot of this content. At what point is too many streaming products too many? When do we hit that point of, you know, kind of, kind of like the app control side of things, right? Mm -hmm. You're opening 20 different apps just to get music running in your house. That's a little ridiculous. Are we to the point where streaming services are now going to essentially just be channels? I
2: mean, that's the way it's looking right now. You know, um, all I know is what this means for me is if there's going to be a third season of the Punisher, it's going to cost me about 85 bucks a year to see it. So better be a third
0: series of the Punisher. I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) So You know, um, obviously we all knew it was going this way. I think, you know, okay, we've got content here. We've got a million different ways to see a a TV show at this point. Um, I think what's really going to define this whole streaming, um, all these formats and all these platforms to go to is when there's something that is going to offer us the sports that we keep searching for. And, you know, a lot of these are just talking about more individual programming, more movies, um, but it still kind of keeps people really trapped with their service provider right now. And, uh, okay, that's great. Maybe my kid wants to see some more Disney content. I'll probably end up signing up for this quite honestly. Um, but it's, I, I think we're getting to the point of saturation at this point. I, you know, um, hopefully this is a little bit better than the Hulu platform. In my opinion, uh, I don't think Hulu is the greatest platform. Um, especially when you're paying for it and you still got to sit through commercials. Um, I, you know, those those six or so five or six categories that are, are going to be offered through disney plus um i don't know if it's going to be enough to grab everybody's attention obviously most people with kids are going to probably be going towards it so you've got that um that population um but i think that you're going to start really uh, i think people are going to start getting a little splintered with uh well okay i'm already paying that's x, x amount for my service because i still want to get my espn and that type of thing and i don't want to necessarily pay just for the MLB package or the NFL package or something to that effect. Um, And obviously the behemoth being Netflix at this point, I mean, they've got it pretty well going on. Um, I think there's a bit of a quality change when we go to Amazon Prime, but I think that program is getting better as well. Um, You know, I think Disney's got the production quality that it's gonna be at least something that is gonna intrigue people to watch. Um, But I I honestly believe that, you know, especially with, with, with Netflix coming out with a higher price as of last week, I believe, um, you know, all of a sudden, what we thought was going to be a cost savings to be able to really kind of get an a la carte version of what we want to watch is turning into just another large bill for entertainment on a monthly basis. So um, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I'm most likely I will probably, you know, tie into it for at least a few months to see what it's about. Um, but I think we're really coming to the point of, uh, of becoming saturated with all these different streaming services at this point.
0: Very good. Stephen, do you agree with that? i I know the one kind of caveat to, to Todd's point is there is potential talk on uh, Disney's investors call after this announcement. They did hint that there'll be a way to bundle uh, Disney plus, Hulu plus or, or Hulu um, as it, I, I don't understand the Hulu packages because we don't have them here um, and ESPN plus. So that kind of aside it, is it to that point where, we're just oversaturated and there's no, you know, easy way to do this. This is just the same as, you know, our 1700 channels on satellite where you watch three.
1: So, yeah, uh, I do agree with what he said. We are saturated. As a matter of fact, uh, in my opinion, we're oversaturated. Uh, Everybody wants to make a dollar. Um, They are, basically all these channels used to do negotiations with satellite providers and cable providers and things like that to get their time and to get their space. And all these people would negotiate. So now instead of negotiating that way, uh, people started cutting the cord and downloading. So now you're having to pay for services a la carte, but I have six people in my house and uh, I have six, I have four kids, my wife and myself, which means at any given time, we have 14 personalities in my house. Um, So that's a lot of different streaming stations. Um, I I don't I just don't think it's good for the consumer. They make this sound like it's a benefit for the consumer, but it's not. It's uh, purely beneficial to the providers because now you're having to buy Netflix for Punisher. Uh, and, and several other shows that are, that are really good. The Marvel, the the MCU is almost all on Netflix, which they're pulling that off. So the MCU will go away from Netflix. But the thing is, is, you know, then you've got my daughter who likes the Disney stuff. You've got my other daughter who's a sports fanatic. So I end up spending more money. And then if you're a huge college football fan, like I am, you still have to keep your satellite or you're going to lose something. So anyway, um, I think it's a, I think it's all a matter of money, 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 grab. Uh, we're already oversaturated. The last thing I need is another music streaming service. Uh, every time I see somebody talk about music streaming, it turns my stomach. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I don't need, I don't need tweezer or Deezer. or I don't need all these other titles out there. Just give me some music. Um, I use Napster, man. I mean, a lot of people when i tell them i use that they're like oh, is that legal? are you kidding me? this is not 1996. so we we are we're oversaturated but it is what it is. it is it, the content providers are now ruling where it used to be the cable providers, the service providers used to kind of rule, now it's the content providers. Um, so the, the the paradigm has shifted and we're just going to have to get used to it.
0: so let me ask you you guys this how intrigued are you with the end of the Disney vault because that to to me from a content standpoint, that is the biggest announcement that's kind of been underplayed is if you are a Disney fan, you love and hate that vault because little mermaid or whatever goes in there and you can't get it for 10 to 15, 20 years. Is that, is that being underplayed or is that just another aspect of society in that instant now?
2: I mean, Disney did that from the get go. You know, when I was growing up, I mean, there was there were shows that, you know, um, that I was in a generation to where they they didn't put those out, you know, uh, the 70s, early 80s. There was no Disney content. There was a couple hand, or a handful of, of shows. And then by the time I was already kind of uh, graduated from the cartoons, getting into be a teenager, then all of a sudden they released those. So from my standpoint, that vault, it it doesn't really have a lot of meaning to me. My kid has seen so many Disney um, movies and TV shows at this point in time that she's not going back to revisit that. I think it it seems like it's more of a generational thing. So if it's once every 10 to 20 years that they release these things, that gets all the little ones back involved. But uh, as far as going back and wanting to see things in the vault, I mean, from a Disney aspect, it doesn't really affect my household that much. So that doesn't, the whole vault thing, that's, it's a non-issue for me interesting
1: yeah and i'm not concerned about the vault either i just think it's hilarious that princess leia is now a disney princess <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: how am i going to transition from that <laughs> thanks steve all right gentlemen let's uh move on to likely our last story of the day this comes to us from a residential tech today consumers are ready for on-demand service and integrators are responding uh, this is from Ryan Kane, as I said, over at Residential Tech Today. This is not a this is not a news story, but this is something that continually is being talked about and continually being pushed. As you read through the story, uh, essentially he outlines the the shift in society to where we are an instant now. Uh, there's no such thing as you know, hey, I'll get to you tomorrow, and that being an acceptable response. Stephen, I wanted to start with you on this. When you start looking at, as he mentioned in this in this story, something like Overseer or uh, Paracel or One Vision, as far as a, you know, Overseer is a remote platform that allows you to get information and notification based on potential problems that may arise at your clients. Uh, One Vision and Paracel are more of a 24-7 support avenue for integrators, i.e. you have a 1-800 number for support. And that first tier of support could go to One Vision or to Paracel. And then they can call you if it's not something that they can help with remotely. When, when integrators start to look at this, this is part of that, uh, you know, how do we generate RMR? How do we provide that better service and, and really prove our value to our customers? How do you as an integrator plan and, and deploy and create the processes required to do this type of, you know, on-demand uh, quick response service?
1: So I'm going to go a different direction here. I haven't drank that Kool-Aid yet. I don't believe you have to have RMR to succeed in our industry. I think that's a garbage topic that's been talked up by people that don't, you know, they, they either don't want, to, don't want to run their business or don't know how. Um, I don't do any RMR and I do just fine. Um, sorry, I have a client walking up right now, but, um, uh, so to me, you don't really need RMR to succeed. Now, if, uh, if a client wants 24 seven service, put the equipment in that allows that put in like Luxel. just an example, mm-hmm. Luxel's new switches are self healing. If they see a problem, they heal themselves. And they, they power cycle the port. They send you a notification. They power cycle the port. You can team that up with Domox. You can team that up with whatever. Your systems should not need constant maintenance. If your system needs constant maintenance, you're bad at your job. Go turn wrenches. That I mean, my system, they don't need constant maintenance. I don't understand these people that have all these truck rolls, and I need 20 people out here doing tech I got a three person company doing projects all over the country because my systems just don't go down. So I don't need all that RMR. I don't drink that Kool-Aid. And if you build a system and the client wants that kind of service, they're willing to pay for it. Then they can pay a monthly fee or whatever for you to monitor the system. But most of these problems can be fixed online. They can be fixed automatically. Package has been doing it for a while. So you, you have all these companies that do these services and they allow you to remotely monitor the system, but honestly, guys, it, and I say this with utmost respect: if you're running a company and your service department is busier than your installation department, you're the problem. So just get it together,
0: Todd. I'm not going to ask you if you're <laughs> if over at Peerless how the service department levels out. Let me ask you this, Todd. Um, and Steven, that was a fantastic point. I appreciate that. Um, from the third-party support side, mm-hmm. this has been touted a ton. And I, I don't want to know, and I, I don't believe that, that Peerless uses a, a third-party system for this. But as, as integrators, where is, the, where is the line between how you properly deploy a service team either internally or using a third-party company. And if you do go down the route uh, of using a third-party company, what do you have to disclose to your customers? Do you have to disclose anything that you're using third-party support? Because I don't want to speak for Stephen, but I know for myself, we've spent thousands of dollars on marketing our company. And the majority of people, the majority of our clients, still say hey matt 's our audio guy doesn 't matter how many guys are working for me how many how many people we have in the office, we still have clients that demand that I show up that demand that i 'm the guy that they want and I left a client this morning who they get offended if I send one of my people and i don 't come with them
1: mm.
0: how do you How do you value those those relationships? And still utilize a, a third-party support team.
2: So it's an interesting question, and especially from my standpoint with what I do at Peerless here. So we're talking about ways to um, <laughs> we're talking about ways to be able to be proactive if something you know um, negative happens to a system that's been installed. Um, again, I'm going to look back eight, nine, ten years ago when I was in the field, and a lot of these, um, such as oversee. A lot of those things weren't available to us and as i've been watching for the past couple of years those things become developed i'm like oh you know that's that's really kind of a a tricked out little solution that would would only help you know because i can recall some service calls that we did have back in the day um but i would agree with steven 100 percent it would be that if you're relying on on these uh, on this extra service you're not doing the, the job correctly so from an integration standpoint um you know especially when it comes to residential I, I don't know how much, how much weight that really carries. Now, let me segue a little bit into the commercial realm and, and some of the products that we deal with here because specifically, I've been, I've been asked to produce my products with some type of monitoring aspect of them. So if they're being monitored in a commercial environment, network, operation center, something, you know, a knock like that that's looking for alerts coming from something that's reporting back on an SNMP background or backbone or something to that effect, you know, it, it does make a lot of sense, but there's a definite line between, in my opinion, between resi and commercial when it comes to that. Um, yeah. I don't think, I, I think that the residential systems, I mean, it certainly is, it's good to have, you know, as much as you can to be proactive. Um, to sell extended service plans with that, that that's, that's for somebody else to answer. But when it comes to myself and having to produce the products that allow for these alerts to happen, I haven't seen anything that's been... Uh, more heavily weighted um, with what we've been we've been doing um, in basically since I've been to Peerless at this point. So having the ability for these uh, devices to report to a third party, to say, hey, there's a problem with me, you know, check me out, tunnel into me, look at me right now. I think that holds a lot of weight. Um, but I guess the, the struggle I have in my mind is knowing the types of systems I installed in a residential atmosphere versus what I see going into a commercial atmosphere so, so totally different at this stage in the game. And knowing that we were able to set up very complex systems, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, and we didn't have truck rolls to do this, to to worry about this. And and to take it one step further on a residential um, standpoint, I do do um, a number of side jobs still. And I don't look for all this alerting and monitoring because, again, I'm a one-man shop. It's my own personal time that I'm doing this with. And again, agreeing with Stephen 100%, know the gear you're putting in, know how to set it up, know how to make it robust, or at least uh, combinations of uh, different products that make a, a nice robust system. I mean, that's a number one in my mind. So you know, there is a lot of weight put on this overseeing these other types of monitoring aspects. I mean, you know, a friend of mine who's an integrator, um, probably within the last month, pulls out his iPhone, he was like, hey, check out all this stuff I'm monitoring for so-and-so because it was an old job that we used to do together. And I looked at it and I was like, this is just overwhelming at some point. I, I, you know. I, granted, you guys aren't contracting out to a third party, you're just kind of a one-stop shop and you guys are getting the alerts yourselves. So to that respect, I understand wanting to take care of the customer and then obviously there's certain customers that will buy into this extended service plan because of peace of mind or whatever it may give them. But at the end of the day, I would, I'm much more um, comfortable with something that I know in and out that I know how to hook up. That's what I would term a cheeseburger. So I will give this to everybody that I install. You want audio, you want video, here's your, here's your special sauce to get that done. I know how it's going to be set up. And I know when I set that stuff up that I'm not going to have to worry about rolling my own truck because now it's on a personal basis as well. So a lot of the monitoring, I get where they're coming from with the, you know, added revenue and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link is. And if you can't hang your head on a solid system that doesn't need to be monitored, I would question what you're installing at that point.
1: Thank and I you. want to add one thing to that. One thing that's interesting to me is how short the memory is for an industry full of nerds. Um, this is not something new. We've been nerds for a long time and I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to give Crestron some serious props here. Um, Crestron has been doing this forever. How many, how long have we seen Crestron enable products in the commercial atmosphere? This isn't new. It's just new to people that don't pay attention. So, you you know, this build a solid system. That's all you guys got to do and, and stand by it. And yeah, sometimes the customer wants to see you on the job site. That's not a problem for me. I don't have a really large company, but if I was chasing my systems all over the country, I wouldn't be able to make any money. So uh, just, you know, like you said, build solid systems, but let's not treat this as a system monitoring as something new. It's just not.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you both for being here. That was a very encouraging conversation. Uh, Todd, if people want to connect with you, where can they do that?
2: At uh, www.peerless-av.com
0: or uh, teamairs at peerless-av.com as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Stephen, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where do they do that?
1: If you want to connect with me, uh, find me at my closest job site, apparently I'm covered up. But uh, (laughs) you can find me at Pro Audio GA on Twitter, uh, ProAudioGeorgia.com, pretty much everywhere, trade shows. Uh, I always say this, if you hear my voice and you want to reach out and have a conversation, I love... Talking to other integrators, please give me a call. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, reach out.
0: They all disagree with you, just. Of course. <laughs> Uh, Gentlemen, again, thank you so much for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We're extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Week.